Ladies and gents, welcome back to the Pop Culture Podcast. Tyson Popplestone here. You've got 90 minutes of gold coming your way today. I catch up with a, a very good friend of mine by the name of Brendan Kavanagh. Now, you've, you've probably seen Brendan's face. He was on The Bachelor, Bachelorette a few years ago. If you're in Australia, you'll remember it was the one with Ali as the, uh, as the bride that you want to take away at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the show. That was a weird way to describe The Bachelorette, but I think essentially that's what it is. Uh, we talk about that in the podcast, talk about his experiences, talk about what went on behind the scenes, as well as a whole range of other things. Uh, Brendo's a really switched on unit and a very easy guy to talk to. So it was a uh, it was pretty easy getting sucked down a few rabbit holes on on everything from COVID to The Bachelorette and a few things in between. I mean, you're going to be surprised at some of the stuff we chatted about, but that's the beauty of these podcasts. So, hey, let me get out of your way. Don't forget to go and check out the Price of Entry podcast. But for now... Enjoy this conversation with myself and good mate, Brendan Kavanagh. You're gonna tell us tough guys, my usual, zero, nothing. Thanks for coming on, man. It's uh, it's funny, because obviously a couple of months ago I was on your podcast, uh, The Price of Entry, as a guest. And I was saying to you just before I hit record how strange it is being a guest on, on like a mate's podcast, because it's got this weird vibe of, um, how do you say it? It's like, You've got to try and be a little bit professional, but it's also, okay, this is my mate and he knows what I'm actually like when we're not recording on a podcast. So um, much better just be able to catch up and have a chat. What's uh, what's going on? I know it's, it's this weird sort of like part. Yeah, of course I want to help, like do Tyson's podcast, but also obligation. But it's not obligation, but also I want to catch up with him anyway. So it's like this like, am I doing it out of just like, oh, bloody Tyson, you have caught, oh, well, I have to do his podcast now because you did mine. No, nah, not at all. But also, I don't want to just like catch up because I feel like that won't be interesting for anyone. We're like, <laughs> How's Jesse and like Charlie doing? Like, what's going on? Like, no one, doing no good. one cares like, about my family. No one cares about that. So it's not a catch up, but I want to chat to you. But like, it, it's such a weird mix. It's great. I was, I came into this conversation so confident about my setup. <laughs> now, um, you've, you've just come in here with the best YouTube sh- setup on YouTube. I, uh, I immediately got self-conscious. I saw Did you my put mic- this up on YouTube? Yeah. Yeah, I've oh, just geez, started Pete, to. I'm glad, I've, uh, glad I got this set up then. Well, I don't think I'll post it now because I can't have <laughs> the guests out doing the host because it just no. looks unprofessional. Truth be told, though, you didn't take a hiatus over Jan with your podcast. I did. This is look- partly why I was taking a hiatus over Jan was to get this set up that, you know, you know, sneak peek, I'll move my camera. Behind the scenes, there's a bit of gaffer tape. There's some old curtains. <laughs> like, if you look around, there's like an air conditioner there. I've blocked off the window. Like, I've built a proper little studio. But here's, no, no. And, and, and here's the, the the real self-deprecating truth is um, I don't even put my video up on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I spent all of Jan getting this set up. And I don't put my video up other than like a 30 second trailer. Why don't you post it? I'm too chicken shit. <laughs> <laughs> I scratch then- my nose sometimes. I have a beard most of the time. Like I'm like, oh no, I can't be bothered. Like, do you edit it and then put it up? A little bit. Sometimes I have to edit it. I listened back to myself the other day and I made a note and I've already noticed I've said it three times this podcast. I've got to stop saying like, you know what I mean? And um, so I... Like video, see, I just said it again. Then video doesn't actually take out any of the main things that I'm I'm uh, concerned about. Very happy with my appearance. Very happy with your appearance. It's my vocabulary that's letting me down. It's my inability to string a sentence together without saying um. So 
It's you, you, a giveaway of our lack of actual intelligence. <laughs> I've got a friend I do comedy with and she lives in Ocean Grove. I was there uh, a couple of weeks ago. She's like, Tyce, you've got to come over. I want to show you something. So I went to her house and she, uh, this is, it sounds like a really interesting for, uh, story for a married man. She took me into the spare room, which she's converted into it's a- It's getting so much better, this story. I'm, uh, I'm hook, line and sinker, man. This is good. I trust you. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get to the punchline. Uh, uh, she walked in and she's, she's decked out an amazing podcast studio. She's got a backdrop. She's got the microphone. She's got the big lights set up. Uh, she's got the couches. She said that she spent the whole most recent lockdown, whatever that was, like six weeks or yep. so, yep. just decking out this podcast studio. And I said, okay, well, tell me, what's the podcast? And she's like, no, I don't, I don't have one yet. I've just got the studio. No <laughs> way. Just hoping for far out Brussels sprout like just to steal the, the limelight for a second for you what's the price of entry to like starting a podcast purely monetary value wise like I know for me like the light that's illuminating these beautiful eyes right now is like a $12 Kmart buy that's USB easy mm-hmm. laptop all right fine I needed to get a new laptop that's a saga that I don't want to get into because it hurts too much new laptop about three grand that hurts microphone 120 second hand done Mm -hmm. zoom subscription sweet and right there like i feel like you've got enough if you're planning on putting video up that's all you need Mm. really because the cameras on laptops are pretty good yeah well yours especially so you've got the brand new mac i've got i've got a Mm. macbook air and i'm coming through on that camera looks great well it still looks good Uh, but a little bit like you i've got a i've got a a face light behind me there i think i've Mm. got two so there's a little bit of pink coming out behind me there oh that's nice Uh, yeah not bad uh these two lights were 60 bucks off amazon this mic i think was 200 bucks perfect uh, had the computer i spilled coffee all over my last computer which meant that i had to i had to make a purchase as well which was painful i guess it was two grand or so for that but it's not much and i think especially with the uh with the actual recent technology like you're proving right now you don't need a whole heap of fancy tools i, I think it's so funny like my mate trace we we get so caught up on the uh on the superficial stuff and we forget about just bringing some decent conversations to the table. That's why I love looking back at Joe Rogan's podcast from 10 years ago. Cause it's snowflakes. Really, it's so snowflakes bad. coming down on the screen, snowflakes coming down on the screen and they're doing absolute dribble. Like well done. I mean, that, and that's what I think like, with my own podcast, like my first six episodes I did like in person back when you could do that with a couple of Apple headphones and a headphone splitter, like you used to do with a girl that you wanted to date, and be like, let's listen to the same song at the same time and use one of those little jacks. We yeah, that wasn't a euphemism for anything. Hundred percent. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, I've got a splitter, so we can both use two headphones. And I was like, damn it. Oh well, fine. Using that and that, like the quality of audio in my first couple of episodes, like borderline want to tear them down and not have them. But anytime anyone's like, oh, listen to your podcast, I'm like, which episodes? And they're like, oh, the first couple. I'm like. Ah. It's like me. Whenever someone says they saw they saw me do stand up comedy, I was like, ah, oh, where where were we? And it's either uh, an apology from me or a, oh great, yeah, good night. It was a really good night, wasn't it? Just because was actually one of the good ones. Yeah, that was one of the good ones. Um, I, I was at a school a couple of years ago, and I walked in. There was a teacher there, and he's like, dude, do you do stand up comedy? And I go, yeah, oh, no. yeah, I do, I do. And I was very, I was very green. And at the moment, the or at that time, the only comedy rooms that I was doing, like nine out of ten of them. We're in front of four people, which you've seen before, and you've seen me bomb with uh, great passion in front of four people. And that's what a lot of gigs are like in the open mic comedy scene. And the other four people are the other comics that have been up on stage bombing two minutes beforehand. But you think out of just 
the mercy rule, mm-hmm. like in football, when a team's getting done by a hundred points, you go, can, can we just end this? Like nobody's enjoying this. Like, let's just call it. You'd think that they would have a bit more empathy for the next person on stage bombing and maybe throw them a bone and laugh. No, no, it's it the opposite. It doesn't happen at all. And I've got no, see, I come here and complain to you about the fact that they've got no empathy for what I'm going through. But if I get off stage after a bomb or a good set, my mindset is, okay, I've just bombed. I've got no time for you. And if I have a really good set, I'm like, I'm too good for this place. I'm not hanging around to watch this. <laughs> so it's just, it's just, I'm adding to the, uh, I'm the adding ego to- roller case coaster of a comic. It really is, man. <laughs> anyway, dude, it's been a while since we've actually caught up. Obviously, we've been shooting a few texts back and forth, but what's been happening? It's been, it must be two months since we caught up properly. Oh, and then some. Like, I think there's a good chance last time we properly had a chat was when you did my podcast a few months ago last year. And since then, like, it feels like the, there's so much more that's gone in the world in terms of like, you know, you and I being separated via just distance, but not just distance and all that. And, and I know it feels like cliche to bring up COVID and all that sort of stuff. But when you're geographically challenged, like our friendship is right now, like it's, it's been a thing. Like it's an actual factor in being able to catch up with people. And then I feel like everyone in the last few months has been so condensed in because like, oh, you're allowed out now. So it's like, shit, I've got to see Go see family, got to see um, extended family, going to see like these friends that are within a certain radius. And then like everyone crams so much into Christmas. And this was, you know, mine and Kate's experience is like Christmas was not a holiday. Yeah. Christmas, because the timing of reopening and everything is, it was just go, 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 go. And we kind of got to the end of Christmas. We're like, I think we need work to just have a break from people. Yeah. <laughs> And it's a weird wild. feeling as well. I, uh, I've been going out to some comedy rooms lately. And, and dude, last night, I, I know I messaged you, but last yeah, night how's was that the, been? It was, last night was awesome. I went and I did a gig at a room called Death or Glory, which is like a mm. pretty cool, it's a, it's a pretty cool open mic room on Chapel Street in the city. And I thought, I'll, just, I'll go and pop in Tuesday night. I'll go and check out the Comics Land, which I've been doing a bit more of. There was a, there was a couple of good acts. Dave Thornton was up. Actually, I don't no know. Way. I don't know a couple of them. One of my mates, just from the uh, the open mic scene, who started to make yeah. a breakthrough, he got up as well. But they said it was the biggest crowd that they had had in in like two and a half years. Dude, the place was pumping and uh, awesome. It's weird. It's so awesome. But I was just telling you that because it's even me as a, a relatively social bloke, I've been going out, and I, I would say I'm past it now. But the first yeah. couple of weeks of being in a room filled with people and just having that chance to chat again after two years of this kind of communication. Yeah. It was such a shock to the system. It's like a really good shock to the system, but it was definitely mm. noticeable. I was going, oh my gosh, like this is this is a really different experience to what I've had. And 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 given what like my job these days is, which is a beer salesperson, like cool, that sounds boring, but what that means, my role has taken me around all these venues where you're doing comedy, I'm in there trying to sell beer. So I'm on this sort of like ground level chatting to all these people about like, so how's business been? And January was cooked. Like January with Omicron coming through. It was just, you, you could have, say, 80 people booked for a Saturday mm-hmm. lunch. You'd get 30 rock up. And that's not normal. Usually you get a little bit of attrition, but not that much. Just because everyone plans or ability to plan, go on an adventure, go into the city for us that live a bit further out, come out to where I live, go to the sanctuary and do an activity. Cool, you book it with a bunch of people and one person gets COVID and then you mm-hmm. go, well, let's just postpone. So the ability to plan and do an activity is so disrupted and there's so much oh yes oh no so it's like this almost like you know sort of shadow lockdown 
where you're constantly disappointed because, oh, we were going to be doing this, but then so-and-so's got COVID or they have to isolate. So now we're just going to postpone. And all these venues are just like, it's just all over the shop. They'll have a Saturday that's quiet, but then a Thursday lunchtime where they have 80 people coming in one hit out of nowhere, not booking and being like, oh, people. Yeah. This is that's, good. That's well, what the, guy, that's what the guys in. were saying last night, that it was just and, unexpected. But then they'll have only two staff members on. And that's this is the catch-22 is you're like, if people book, you know, we had one, you know, at our venue, like book for 20, 80, uh, sorry, 60 rocked up when they booked for 20. So we only rostered, okay, well, 20 people plus a Thursday night. It's pretty quiet. We can deal with that. And then 60 people rock up plus the 20 others that were already in there. And all of a sudden these three people are now running around like cut cats. Food's delayed. The kitchen's under the pump. And then they start complaining like, oh, things came out a bit late. We're not really happy with the service. It's like, guys. We're doing what we can, like the hospo sector at the moment. And it'd be the same for the venues you're doing comedy in. Everyone is like treading water isn't even like a good enough term. It's like, I can't think of a good analogy right now, but everyone is just one exhausted and two, just trying to make it up as they go along because staffing and then just the erratic volumes of people coming through. Yeah. It's just making it impossible for venues to barely like keep afloat monetary wise, let alone quality of service. And that's a fact because you can't just have 20 people on every night. You've got to make money. So it's yeah. it's cooked. It's been interesting going into different venues as well because I was mm. I was super fascinated. And actually, my my friendship group's easy to catch up with now because it's shrunk since I've been so open about what I felt through the lockdown. Just keep watching my Instagram account. What's the, what's the word? Diminish. I was like, all right. Far Windle. Gonna, Do you take screenshots? Windle. Uh, I need to. I need to start doing it. I have a... I have a little thing with my wife where before I post something on Instagram, I go, how many do you reckon I'll lose through this? And she re- she's like, I reckon that's a 12er. I reckon that. Nice. And and gradually I've refined the audience because I'm losing Good. less and less though some Why of the not? stuff's getting more controversial. So it's um it's been it's been really fun to see. But but one thing I've noticed in the in the hospo industry is I was really fascinated to see how long this vaccination check thing would last for. And I don't know if you've been out and about lately. But man, I've I've been pleasantly surprised to see, uh, and, and without throwing any uh, venues under the bus, I've been so pleasantly surprised to just rock up to places and just see them. Just go, hey, come on in. Yeah. Especially, yeah. like I can imagine, 100%. if I was a bar owner, as if yeah. like you're the ones who've copped it sweet for the last two years. Ooh, when you're going to start turning yeah. away people based on the fact that, um, you know, the the government's put this little extra expectation on them. So it's been been sort of nice to see that i think the way we're going as well it seems as though things are going to keep settling down and our little our little wrestle between victoria and new south wales i think is good for victorians because they seem to just take a step further than us every time we make a new announcement 100 percent. i've actually got two stories off that for you um so one we just went on holiday down the coast uh for a week and you know you're basically country at that point and walk into the venue and you could tell the people that were tourists because they walked in with their masks on <laughs> and they get their phones out. Whereas the locals just, yeah, yeah, cool. Done. Sit down, get a, get a, a, some sort of thing that contains liquid in their <laughs> hand. And they're like, well, we're sweet. We don't need the mask. It's all good. Like, cause it's so just petty is oh. the word that I call it right now. And you know, you pretend to get your phone out and you wave your phone in front of the QR code and do that. Yeah, no worries, mate. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, sweet. No worries. Because, you know, there's 10 other people walking in at the same time and this 16-year-old on the door doesn't really give a shit. Mm. Um, and then 
today back in my hometown, a particular venue that got into the media um, just before the mandate came through because they posted on Facebook saying, we will not discriminate. And this is before the mandate came through. It blew up, got on 3AW, Channel 9, all those sort of stations. Neil Mitchell got on there and called Healesville a dirty anti-vaxxer town. So there was definitely mixed feelings in town about this particular venue. Do you respect their right to say that? 100%. Mm-hmm. But as a tourist town, getting targeted as like dirty anti-vaxxers is for these businesses that have been shut for two years that rely on uh, your tourist trade to top up because there's not enough, you know, when you're a tourist town, locals make, you know, maybe 30% of your income of the year. You need tourists to, to actually survive, not just brutal. make yeah. extra, you, you need it, which is, and the sentiment around town is a lot of people, especially with the vax and all that was, do I want to get the vax? Look, I'm kind of not anti, just indifferent. Mm-hmm. If I had a choice, yeah, like getting the flu shot, like, oh, I get it some years, don't get it others, don't really care. But to be kind of held, not accountable, but held with a syringe to your head that you have to, to be able to open your doors and economically survive, it's sort of this economic um, blackmail of, well, if you don't, you can't run your business. So most of them went fine stuff. I'll just get it so I can open and trade. These guys said that and they're all like, oh my gosh, now we're not going to have tourists coming because they're going to be scared. Da, da, da. I was in there today for a pint and there was like six COVID officers in there. You had a 19-year-old girl behind the bar. You had about three, four people at the bar trying to order. All, and they're, it's a local's pub, right? So you're talking like, think country pub, old mates. They just want the Carlton draft and they want it like yesterday because, you know, 9am in the morning. That's not, wasn't 9am in the morning. It's a stereotype. Brandon, shut up. And they're surrounding her and going, all right, so take me around and show me everybody and, and show me that they've checked in correctly. And we're going around to guests. But here's the absolute clincher. I can't believe I didn't tell you this before we actually started recording. There was a booking in the dining room in the bistro of a group of about 10 from the Canberra convoy. <laughs> that had just come from parliament protesting the mandates and these guys have just come in and started trying to check everything one of them had a megaphone hooked up to his car so when they left started playing all this stuff talking yelling at them just revving them up and this poor girl's just like i just work here i'm not even the manager they're on lunch like She's the only one working and they're all acting as though she is the one responsible for everybody's actions, lack of compliance. Like it's just so blowed out of proportion. That is so brutal. I was, when I was 19, I was working at Boost Juice and like my biggest concern was making (laughs) sure the ice bucket was filled. It's all I had to do. I would have been so intimidated. It's like always getting put on notice and fired for the ice bucket not being above 50%. That's so crazy. I would have, I would have loved to have seen the uh, just that conversation between those two groups of people. Was it was it pretty? Uh, what's the word? Did they did they get along okay while they were all there? And it wasn't no, until they left. It was tense. Nah. It was wow. Tense. There was one guy sitting at the bar, and um, he, he probably would have been my age to be honest. He's just looking over, staring absolutely daggers into him, and he was just like, "Come on, get, get, go, nah, mate, get, come on, get the, get, get what." Get, like he would have been like if any of them had kind of started standing over her more guaranteed 
he probably would have got up and started getting in their grill. Like it was mm. tense. <laughs> it's just it's interesting to see. I don't necessarily have I have zero problem with a COVID official because obviously on a personal level, I would probably be more closely aligned to the truckers from Canberra. I feel like I'd have a better conversation with them. But the truth is uh, I understand these blokes are just trying to get their paycheck as well. My issue becomes when you let the power of that job come to your head and you turn into an absolute prick. Like they're the things that I've had trouble watching over the last couple of years, like the last few weeks in Canberra, the last few years in Melbourne. And we've got examples of it everywhere. I guess it's just like the state of human hearts is some people are pricks and some people are lovely. But yeah, the job's also okay. Australian nature. Like I was listening to this book a couple of months ago called Gert Nation. Um, or the first version is called Gert. And it's this guy who's kind of written this history of Australia. But he takes this kind of larrikin take on it. So it's very factual, but he's very much like, yeah, all right, mate, you're a dickhead, piss off. Like it's, it's that sort of, again, very Australian take on it. And sort of one of the overarching themes is, is is our like just DNA level disdain for people that we knew were sitting at the same bar with us last week, having a pint, talking the same shit. Mm-hmm. Now they're given a position of power and they're acting like a dickhead in quotation marks. We cannot help ourselves. We go, oi, what are you doing? Is, this isn't you. You're being disingenuous. Mm. Now, I'm not sure a bogan would know that word, but <laughs> hypothetically, another word he probably doesn't know, let's just say that he does. Like, it's it's this, we can't deal with fake. We can't deal with bullshit. And I think that's our problem with tall poppies as well as a culture, is we go, you're acting all hoity-toity as though you're better than us, mate. You were down in the same shithole having the same shit beer like last week. What are you doing? Why, mm. why are you now pretending like you have authority over me, that you're better than me? You can tell me what to do. Mate, my kids go to school with your kids well what are you doing it does a head in and we can't it, help it as a country that's so strange and especially um i, I don't know about you I, i've always been slightly skeptical of the media like the, the maybe the last yeah, five years i've really woken up to it i've yep. really woken up to the fact that all right like not everything that we see on here is is just cold hard facts whereas growing up i grew up in a family my mum's 63 she grew up with a super traditional old bloke who every new every news report or every bit of information that they learned, they learned from Channel 7 News. It was just an important time to get updated. And they had so much faith in it, maybe because back then there was a potentially, I guess, more respectable journalists and uh, a little more balance. You could get some views from both sides. But, but now, especially the last two years, my eyes have been open to the fact that, okay, I understand that not everything that we're seeing here is necessarily even anywhere near the truth. In fact, for me, I don't know about what your thoughts are, but for me, the last 12 months, especially, whatever I've seen on the news, I go, okay, well, so I, it's the opposite, I guess. It's just, and that's what was so interesting. You sent me the uh, the Australian Bureau of Statistics article that Channel 9 posted. And I was, I was, I'd actually seen it before you sent it through. And I was, I was mind blown at the fact that, okay, I'd, I'd assumed that a lot of what we were talking about was overblown. There's a, I know there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of concern. There's a lot of people who are just trying to do the right thing to get back to blah, blah, so many clashing opinions. But when you get down to cold, hard facts and you actually say, okay, like, let me just put my emotions aside for a little moment, which as a fairly emotional bloke is something I'm still learning to do. However, you see the, you see the statistics that the ABS just released and you go, okay, so a lot of what we had been being told the last couple of years maybe had a little bit of fuel poured on top of it. And, and, you know, I feel like I put a bit of mayo on stories sometimes and I tell them, but like the way that the media has spun things and it's not, and I can now say that in a forum like this and not feel like I'm also putting mayo on what I'm saying, that I'm not exaggerating because the fact is 
83 people in Australia since the beginning of COVID as of beginning of this year have died just of COVID with no comorbidities. People hate that. People hate you saying that. People think you're an 83. For- so, but and, and, and what I loved about this story, number one, Channel 9 posted it. Okay, mainstream media. Freaking well done. I was genuinely surprised when I saw who posted it. But number two, that's what I've said to a few people already that, you know, tend to the other side of their interpretation of media. It's the Australian Bureau of Statistics. This isn't some journalist from a political side coming up and having this anecdotal take on things. This is cold, hard data. The data says this. It is what it is. What do you Interpret do? Interpret it as you will. Well, and, and that's yeah. the thing is because everything has been spun and it's all been anybody goes, you know, imagine a year ago going, can you please tell us how many people have died of COVID and how many people have died with COVID? And you hear these anecdotes like, well, if I got hit by a bus and they found out that I had COVID, they'd say I died of COVID. Mm. And you're like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Oh, that's just, come on, of course, it's not like that. And now we know for a fact that's exactly what was happening. The story that they were telling, and the interesting one that I found that I feel like I skeptically not predicted, but was like, oh, I bet you this will happen, is as Omicron started wiping through Victoria and the headlines used to be, you know, 14,000 cases a day, 28,000 cases a day, 64,000 cases a day. And I'm like, oh, 10 bucks says it's going to now start switching. Instead of saying the number of cases a day, they'll start saying the number of deaths a day. Because the previous fear-mongering title was cases. Well, it's not working anymore because it's a number that we now can't comprehend. Once it gets above sort of 64,000, our little brains just go, difference between 64,000 and 120,000 isn't that much, right? So let's start using something that's more scary. Let's use deaths. And they go, great. Because now by that stage, there's a bunch of people in hospital dying of terminal cancer, happen to have COVID. That counts as a death. And that's not me being hyperbolic on a podcast. That's what the data says. It's it's not an opinion. Mm. It's our data. It's the craziest thing as well. And we have to clarify that this isn't just our opinions because I've had YouTube contact me. They they try to give me a second strike the other day for my channel because I said, I was saying something about, uh, I was actually, it was actually funny. I was speaking about the 2016 election, just having a bit of fun. And I was taking the piss out of some of the, the conspiracy theorists. And they've obviously, whatever it is that does their scanning, has heard me taking the piss out of the 2016 election. And they contacted the channel. Uh, they contacted me to shoot, shoot me an email and said, hey, you've got a strike. Uh, we're, we're not allowed to talk as though the 2016 election was, um, you know, dodgy or a little bit sketchy or anything like that. So I wrote back. I said, hey, just, just for clarification, you understand I was taking the piss out of the conspiracy theorists who say that, it was, it was uh, you know, quote, unquote, a rigged election. And uh, they got back to me. I was thinking, this will never work. They said, oh, actually, we've reviewed the content. And yeah, you're correct. It, it doesn't deserve a strike. And oh, yeah, true. <laughs> you were just were... trying to be funny. Like, I was just trying to have a In that a context, bit... I'd be like, oh, good. You, you're saying I'm trying to be funny. Oh, you're not so... saying I am funny, but I'll take it because it means so, that I So I, I, okay, say cool. that, I, I say that to uh, oh, just to clarify that this isn't gosh. Tyson Poppleson. This is the Australian Bureau of Statistics. And... Uh, I don't know, like to your point. Based off about, death certificates. Like it's, it's... To, to your point, uh, uh, one of the things we heard early in the piece, and I, I also was mm. labelled a conspiracy theorist for believing it, was that whole idea of you get hit by a bus. You just mentioned this. Uh, 
just the other day, did you see the, the, I don't know if it was the health officer, someone in the government in New South Wales came out and spoke about why there'd been such massive counts of, of cases up in New South Wales. She said, look, and, and I can send you the video. This isn't me making stuff up. I watched it yesterday. She said, uh, and I think again, Channel 9, she said, uh, the last the last few months, our, our case numbers have seemed incredibly high because we had a 28-day like back catalog. So if you'd broken, if you had hurt your, no, sorry, if you had had COVID in the past 28 days, you tested positive and then you broke your arm, you were no longer a COVID patient and you went to hospital to get treatment for your COVID, uh, for your broken arm. You were there as a COVID patient. That was, that was considered an admission to hospital with COVID. So those days where you saw 60,000 and you couldn't quite comprehend it, it's because it wasn't, what we were being told so she said okay we've actually we've just shortened that time period now down to 15 days it's no longer 28 days it's 15 days so so, if you- <laughs> so at risk of you getting a, another strike mm-hmm. is it incompetence or is it coordinated this is where i get confused because admin you've worked with me before we used to work together and admin <laughs> i'm is so a- glad you brought this up <laughs> Yep. Admin, admin is a is a great hatred of mine, and I would look for a shortcut wherever I possibly could. And if that meant, if, if in that your dreams, meant, if mm-hmm. in your dreams, Satan was admin, it would mm-hmm. be a spreadsheet. Satan Correct. would be a spreadsheet with horns. Well, that's one of the hardest. And you'd things have about- a, you'd you'd be sweating bullets in the middle of the night. Like you can't handle it. And I'm saying that as a friend. <laughs> it's one of the hardest things about day trading since I've been doing that the last twelve months is. A lot of the follow-up is done on Excel, and I've been learning as hard as I can on the uh, on the day trading side of things. And then it gets to Excel, and I'm like, oh no, this is way harder than day trading. How do I open it? Good luck. Where do do I put this information? So I say that to say, if I found myself in the New South Wales government, I give them a hard time about this now. But if for some reason it was easier for me just to count someone from 28 days ago as a COVID patient, every day of the week I say, you know what? I, I I'll do it at the end of the month. I know it's not idea. I'll get back to it. I'll submit this report. But for now, let's just say it's a COVID patient. And they'll say, Tyson, he's got four bullet holes in his chest and his hand's missing. COVID oh, at works in mysterious ways. Wait, which one's less paperwork? COVID. Oh, just <laughs> say COVID. Just put it oh, so Just It's too much effort. Can't be bothered. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's very strange. It's very strange. But yeah, I tell you, it has been nice to see a couple of mainstream news articles just say things that i think a lot of us know like i think anyone who's who's even slightly open to just facts are aware of the fact that some things rightly or wrongly uh, whether it was deliberately or accidentally probably accidentally in a lot of cases and just through people like me who are super lazy with admin go you know what stuff it let's just put it through as a covid case um like, let's knock off at six that would be so much easier but I, I again i heard another one i heard which blew my mind the other day was i think it was triple m I was driving in the car and they said, oh, new research on uh, COVID booster shows that the, the longevity of protection from COVID is, is a lot smaller than, sorry, uh, of the booster is a lot shorter than what we first anticipated. And I was like, like 16 oh. days or something or six weeks. It's like super short, isn't it? I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. It's like in the weeks. They counted it in the weeks. I can't remember the number, but I heard the same thing. And mm. they're saying weeks, not months, not even years. Anyway, like weeks. Man. Yeah, it's so strange. It's been so strange. But hopefully, hopefully we're on the way out. It seems as though we are. I feel as though the last the last month and a half or two months has been personally the most positive I reckon I've felt in the last year and a half, at least, just in terms of the state of things. I felt like for a while 
I was going to have to get out of Victoria because it was just too much. But lately I'm like, you know what? I actually still really enjoy the city. Things are hopefully coming down a little bit. I know the election's coming up. Maybe there's a few things going on there. But yeah, how, how have you sort of felt? Are you, do you feel as though we're, we're coming into a better place now or are you a little bit still on yeah. that tightrope of uncertainty? In terms of a state and a city and a, and a culture, that you know, Australian culture, but then within that, the culture of, a, of Melbourne, caught up with a mate just the other day, um, you know Julio? Yeah, the great man yeah. Julio. Yeah, yeah. So course. he's been up in Queensland for the last nearly two years now. He came down for the weekend for work and caught up with him quickly on Sunday. And I'm like, dude, you know Melbourne. Like he lived in Melbourne for a number of years, came back and then moved up to Queensland with his wife and kid. And it's like, how's the city actually feel for you? He's like, and I'm like, does it feel pretty like it's PTSD? He's like, no. And the word that he used has really stuck with me. He's like, it feels traumatized. Hmm. I'm like, oh, in recovery, I would have said, maybe apprehensive. It's like, no, like, you know, rocked up to a work thing, people that I've worked with for the last number of years. Like, hey, go on, man, going for the high five. I'm like, oh, they step back and they don't know what to do. Yeah, they don't know how to say wow. hi in person anymore. It's like, oh, we're all good. And then, you know, like the whole part of it was like their company going out for drinks because the first time in two years together because everyone's been working remote and some people that he's like previously would have been up and about and ready to go out were like, oh, I might just go home. Yeah, cheers, guys. See you later. Bye. And and then I'm like, I get you. Your statement about traumatized, mate, it holds. That's that's, that's, that's rough. So crazy, it's, it's I feel like we've healed, but we don't fully appreciate the depth of the scar tissue that goes into this recovery and what's going to take for us to recover long term. Mm. I feel you know, CBD is still not where it was. Again, the venues that I'm speaking to, the venues that used to be popular, like the venues that used to do really well and now doing good. Mm-hmm. The venues used to be okay and now doing not good at all. And there's a bunch of venues that are now for sale. Because they're already middle of the road, not super. So I feel like it's just it's it's on the up from the way things looking. But I feel like you know there's definitely a, a ways to go. And you know the speculation with housing market, interest rates, China shining laser points in the eyes of the eight mommy and stuff like can, that. Can you just can like, you explain to me what's going on here? I heard I, I read the little article and I okay, so I've heard about it. I can't keep up. This is one thing I keep saying. There's, oh, there's 24 yeah. hours in a day. I sleep for eight of them. I spend three hours with my son. I try and spend an hour with my wife. What's that take us to? That's like, I don't know. Say we've got 10 hours left if I've done the maths right. Then I got I try and put a little bit of work into actually doing my work. And then I'll go for a run, do my exercise. Then I've got an hour and a half left. I go, all right, where where does this time come from to be able to keep up? Now, do I do I spend the next half an hour reading about COVID or do I read about Russia or do I read about the, the laser pointers <laughs> being sh- shined on our ship? So what the heck is is going on here? So I'll, I'll read directly from the article so I'm not, you know, telling mm-hmm. tall stories. Chinese PLA naval ship attacked P-8A Poseidon with a laser last Thursday. So a Chinese ship effectively shined a laser pointer at an Australian aeroplane in Australian waters. Was it at a ship or a, or a plane? It was a plane. So it was a, a Chinese ship to an Australian plane that had four Australians on board. 
So effectively, I mean, I did something similar when I was in year, you know, probably 12 years old with my mate Jason in the back of his dad's Ford wagon. We'd just been to Dandenong Market earlier in that day and we'd hustled a couple of stalls to purchase some laser pointers. Remember <laughs> laser pointers were like so hardcore when you're a teenager? Like, oh my gosh, look what I can do. I still think we they're sitting, pretty hardcore. This was an old Ford Falcon where the seats faced the opposite direction. So when you're sitting in them, you're looking out the back of the boot at the traffic behind you. <laughs> and we're on the Frankston Freeway. They're coming behind us and we've got our little laser pointers and we're shining them in the eyes of the driver behind <laughs> us. <laughs> little shits. I can't believe we did that and didn't cause an accident. Car zooms past, gives us the middle finger. His dad's just like, why'd they do that? That's a bit rude. We're like, oh, yep. cool, 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 cool. But the fun thing is, not the fun thing. We knew that we'd like done something that was pretty stupid and pretty dangerous. What's happened now since I first sent you that article? So trying to set this light laser. And what it is, it's a laser that's pretty much used for when you're painting a target that you're potentially going to shoot. Mm-hmm. And, and to guide the missiles there, or you're sussing out just the distance of how far it is. And it's known from what I can read and research is you only do it either one, if you're being a dick, you're sending a message or you're planning on actually shooting them. Mm-hmm. And the fact of where they were in that territory, it's either incompetence or you're trying to stir shit up. Yeah. It's the equivalent of like, you know, the big kid at school, hip and shouldering as he walks past. You're like, mate, you, you didn't have to do that. What's going on? But this is the thing. China's response to that has been, no, we didn't. <laughs> that was always my response. Just then you said two things, which I think situate me perfectly with the Chinese is I was always, my best mate at school was six foot four and no one messed with me because I was walking next to him. And secondly, ah. I also denied any claim to wrongdoing anytime I was accused. I, it's it's a, just a boy thing. Like you can put labels right. on it. You can say this superpower. That we can look at it from an economic perspective. But essentially, if you get a group of blokes together and you've got a really strong laser pointer, you've had you've had four sakis. I get that's a Japanese drink, but maybe yep. they imported some. Uh, you've got a massive laser pointer, and a and a plane goes past. I, any day that Oi, I say. How- how far do you reckon that plane is? Oh, I don't know. 500? Nah, I reckon 600. Done. 100 bucks. 200. Yeah. Fine, you pussy. Oh, Let's Wing Shay. Don't do it, Wing Shay. You're going to get us all in trouble. <laughs> ah, it was 600. You owe me. Yeah. Next day, Xi Jinping. Hey, guys, did you, um, did you happen to paint a target that happened to be Australian in Australian waters? Nope. Mm, no. Nope. Cool. Why is uh why is Chi Win wearing a nice new two hundred dollar jacket? Mm, no reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's no reason. So, it's so crazy, isn't it, man? This world, this world, I feel like we're going through an interesting. Are we going through? I want to call it like a growth spurt. You know, I remember when I was a teenager. I went through a growth spurt. My heels would get all sore, and my knees were really sore. And I felt like an old man, despite the fact it was my body getting ready for a little breakthrough. Please tell me that all of this stuff, I I don't understand completely what's going on in, in Ukraine. Some bloke sp- explained it to me last night. He said to me, uh, I go, what's going on? And he goes, essentially, uh, Putin's just embarrassed about the fact that like when he, uh, what was it, when he became the, the, the King Dick, that was yeah. around the time of the fall of the reach of the Soviets or something. And now he wants to prove himself. I thought all that happened. How long, do you know how long he's been in power for? Because I thought the, 1990-odd, I think it was. Okay, yeah. I think it's close to 30 years. 
Uh, and the conspiracy theory is he's actually got Parkinson's disease, which is why he's actually started bringing in some laws recently that will control who his succession goes to if he needs to and relinquishing some of the powers. So that's one of the reasons why some people speculate why he's starting to flex muscle now of all times. Yeah. Is he's making the most of COVID, things are unsettled. There's also, I think, a major uh, gas pipeline that goes through there that also hooks up places like Germany, which is a major supplier, the UK. So if they can hold that area of Ukraine, because effectively, I was reading another article that was saying like the, the Russian economy is pretty stagnant. It doesn't grow as much as it needs to, given how large a space it is. Mm-hmm. So one of the only options really left to them to grow economically is through acquisition. <laughs> so it's like buying acquisitions. A acquisitions a very nice word for well, it, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah to, to, to raise GDP to be able to you know go. This is now our money, and your dollar's worth nothing. And now look, hey, our economy's growing. It's like, yeah, it's growing. That's so funny. I'd love Buy to be able blood. to. Cool, That's cool, right. Cool, cool. It's like stealing your car and then going to the bank. Hey, I've got extra assets. Why? I've got a new car. Where'd you get a car? I've got a new car. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's worth this much. I acquired Put it. it. Did on you my steal it? Sheet. Ah, so many Doesn't questions. <laughs> Don't now get give me this loan down. so I can build this new gas pipeline so <laughs> I can do this and buy some more tanks and buy some more rockets because in order to grow the military power, they need money to come from somewhere. Mm. So they just invade a country, steal their resources and go, cool. Oh my and if gosh. I was China, I'd be looking at Australia going, hey, I don't like paying for your coal. Because that was a fun story that came out. Like the fact that they, when we you know, said there needs to be an inquiry into the Wuhan lab leak incident, potentially, mm-hmm. they then cracked it and had their, what, 13 odd grievances with Australia and put all these trade embargoes on our coal. And there was these ships sitting in port that couldn't um, deliver their coal from Australia. And then it went through winter in China. And the cities in China uh, that are reliant on coal-powered plants to give them electricity started running out of coal. So these major cities, the size of you know Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, it's a big country, started having rolling blackouts and started running out of power in the middle of winter because they didn't have any coal. So guess who had to finally go fine? Uh-huh. We'll accept Australian coal again. Because without it, we can't run our cities. Which is why anytime Australia... And this is probably why, you know, Scott Morrison flaws and all. Him standing up to China, I think... He, I don't know whether he thinks our coal's bigger than it is, but I think he knows that, at least in that context, China needs our coal to run a portion of their cities. So he whips it out every now and again, slings it around, and a lot of us go, you idiot. (laughs) Where'd you acquire that? Yeah, right. But then I think that's part of why China then retaliates in such a, oh, how dare, oh, like, again, like, you know, a couple of boys being shown up trying to do chin-ups at the chin-up bar in front of some chicks. Um, Oh, I could do way more than that. It's like, well, it's just bruised ego that a a country as big as China Mm. needs someone as small and insignificant in their eyes as us because we've got almost the same population as taiwan and that's a whole nother kettle fish for them oh my gosh man so between uh, between china between russia and putin and joe rogan the news articles are absolutely just rolling out i can't believe how much these three people have uh, have just caused chaos over the last few weeks and, and what are the, like like you said the other just earlier on about not trusting media another article i know it's not one that i sent through it's um, you read about how 
was that 18 out of the top 20 Christian Facebook groups in America were found to be run by Russian troll farms. I, I heard about this. That blows my mind. That blows. So, so now every time I read anything or see any post, I've got that ratio. I'm like, there's an 80% chance that this is a, a, a troll from either Russia or China. Like I just, so I take it with that grain of salt. I listen to 20% of it. It's cool. so crazy. It's Whatever. so crazy. You look at one Instagram page, you go, oh my gosh, there's a there's a, a revolution in the American church seat. You go, oh no, it's just uh, oh, in his studio in Russia, just putting together a fake little post. It blows my mind. I tell you, it, uh, it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder about Joel Osteen, whether or not he's, uh, oh. is his church legit or is he a Russian implant? No, it's very interesting, man. It, it actually, it's it's a little bit beyond me. I don't, I don't quite understand how some I struggle to start a Facebook account. If you can, I tried to put yeah. up some ads on Facebook a couple of weeks ago and I, my, my computer almost broke because it was such oh. a, I've just, I've already confessed about my lack of skill with admin. The, the fact that Russians or whoever it is can put together these bot pages to fool so many. I, I guess they are better than us. Like I can't do it either. Like it's, it's, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's really insane, man. Uh, yeah, it's it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Um, but yeah, that article that I sent through. So this this person had written an article around without bringing it up and reading it around what happens if you listen to Joe Rogan and only Joe Rogan for a week. And for right? context, she was from the Guardian. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And so she listens to a random. I say random. She said it was random, and then. Later in the article goes on to say, I chose this one because it sounds interesting. And I chose that one because, which if you ask 90% of Joe Rogan listeners, I think that's how they listen as well. Like, mm-hmm. oh, MMA? No, I'm not going to listen to that. Oh, a scientist talking about this. That sounds interesting. Oh, a comedian? Eh, you know, you pick and choose based on who the guest is. But anyway, she picked a few. And she listens for five days. But the, the, the thing that got me though, is she opens it by with this premise of like, okay, there's all this fuss around sort of the COVID disinformation and he's rejecting science. He's anti this, he's anti that. And, you know, specifically mentioning the science side of things. And she's listening to this, you know, first day while she's going for a walk next day on her way to a friend's place. And the third day she's listening to a Joe Rogan podcast after complaining about the lack of science and everything on her way to her Reiki. Am I saying that correct? (laughs) On the way to her Reiki session because she's worried that listening to Joe Rogan for three days has upset her aura and her her what well, not her crystals what's it called her um spiritual her equilibrium her chakra mm-hmm. has been upset so she's got to go see the Grandmaster Reiki Master to clear her energy from listening to Joe Rogan spouting out anti scientific disinformation to a Reiki Master. I know oh. I'm ranting and yelling, but like seriously, it's a fair. How point. is that journalism? That's a fair. This point. is your opinion, and your opinion is a you're a muppet. Are you <laughs> kidding me? In the same sentence, the cognitive dissonance mm. is so. I didn't even think of that. I didn't you, even think you, of that. That is so. How funny. you got him for having like alternate doctors on, and you're believing in crystals and shit? Are you serious? <laughs> Shut up. You shouldn't. You should be cancelled because that's just <laughs> yeah. dumb. 
You can disagree with him, but you're saying two things that are 100% in conflict with each other in the same sentence. That's a really good point. That's idiotic. Like that hurts my brain that you have a, like that they have a platform. But you know what? If I'm being more reasonable and I'll calm down and stop yelling. No, please keep yelling. Yeah. She should be allowed to write that article. But if she's allowed to write that article, he should be allowed to have his platform. End of argument. Done. Here's the thing. Great argument. I, I do not know anyone who's listened, say, who's listened to a couple of episodes, say a month of Joe Rogan. Maybe even that's a stretch. I got, I'll go through my phases. I don't know anyone who has listened to, say, 10 episodes a year for the last couple yep. of years who thinks he's an asshole of a person. It's always, and it's always the people who don't want to hear anything he has to say because their friends from work have an issue with him. I love that she said that uh, on a couple of uh, day three, she went to go for a walk with one of her friends and she said, oh, hey, I've been listening to Joe Rogan. And her friend goes, why are you doing that? What are you doing? It's so much easier just to go, ah, okay. Look, he said the N-word. He's apologized, but we're not going to forgive it. Everything that he says is redundant. Sometimes I don't know why I do this to myself. Maybe you do it as well. Every now and then I'll go to a, a person's page or a YouTube channel purely to get triggered. And my favorite place to go to get triggered so is, is the view on YouTube. So oh. whenever I whenever what I was Whoopi re- Goldberg's thing lately. Oh no, nah, that the what Holocaust had nothing to do with race. It wasn't to do with race. Yes. Essentially a misunderstanding. <laughs> you go, Whoopi, this you need to stop. Yeah, the Holocaust talking. wasn't racism. Yeah. This oh. is this is what she's saying. But Joe Rogan's a problem because uh <laughs> Because he he hates blacks, he hates gays, um, he's transphobic, and um, and he's bald as well. And no one really likes bald people that much. And, uh, and <laughs> that's real I, I listen, people. I listen. I listen to these these girls on the View, and it just it serves as a massive reminder for me to go. Okay, this is the importance of actually being able to listen <laughs> to the people that you're criticizing. Because I don't know what her name is. She's like a seventy year old comedian, and it was. It was as though she was getting an education live on The View, which I'm pretty sure she was because she introduced introduced it like, all right, American uh, controversial podcast host, Joe Rogan. I don't know. He's got a couple of yuppies that listen to him. And one one of the girls on The View interrupts and she goes, you know, he gets 200 million downloads a month, don't you? And she goes. Yeah. And and, and that's like to, to it's probably an oversimplification. But the fact that he's getting 11 million lessons per episode, and I read the other day that, you know, CBS around the 500,000 mark, like pretty sure Survivor and like SAS Australia gets as many like views. Okay, cool. Like, so the fact that the media have a bit of an axe to grind with him because he's out doing them, you know, 20 to one, I'm like, oh yeah, that kind of all just makes sense. As if you wouldn't take, I would be pissed as well. If I had to be, at yeah. C- if I had to be at around CNN, 50, 60 years, Oh, if I was Don Lemon yes. and I, I had to go to work, my, my shift starts at 10. I had to get there suit. at 9 to do my – I had to dress up like a flog. Do um, admin. You have to do admin. He probably has to fill out admin and timesheets and stuff. You have to confidently sit there and <laughs> pretend that you believe what it is that you're saying, which I think maybe for him it's it's no issue. But I would be I would be very angry as well because – Joe's traveling around doing his comedy. He seems very happy. He seems very healthy. He seems lovely. He's open to hearing other. And this is the thing as well. This is what makes me laugh so much about it is so many of these people, people would actually be, maybe not so many, people that come from the world that these people who don't like him come from 
would be welcome on his show to have a conversation. Sanjay Gupta, that CNN doctor, is a perfect example of that, came on just to try and convince him of the importance yeah. of being vaccinated. And and Joe and him had an awesome conversation. It was yeah, it was great. It was, I mean, it was it was tense in parts, but it was overall good. What did my head in was when Sanjay then got grilled by the mainstream media afterwards and then pedaled back a bunch of what he said and started going, oh, yeah, no, nah, I should have said that. And, oh, yeah, and then goes on to Sesame Street and is, you know, talking to Big Berg, telling kids to get vaccine and stuff like that. And you're like, and a client scientist that he had on the other day after the blowback and everything and at the end of the podcast. Oh, what happened the there? climate scientist pretty much just said, well, you only had me on because you had the other guy on that was the other opinion. And Joe's like, um... I would have had you on anyway, down the track. Yeah, sure. Obviously, I've copped heat, so I'm trying to have the you know conflicting opinions close together. But I want to talk to you anyway. It's not just because I had him. I have to have you because the guys tacked the whole episode. Now, multiple message like messages from mates listening to going, "What is this dude's problem? He's just got this axe to grind and is like super snarky the whole time." And um, at the end, it, like it, he really showed why he was kind of snarky and the angle he's coming from. He's a little bit butt hurt. That he was the second interview, not the first, is he had the client that you know the climate, uh, not even skeptic because he acknowledged that yeah, there's shit going on. I'm just saying it's not as alarming as Al Gore is making it out to be. And this guy came on to say, well, he didn't say anything wrong, but he left out this and this and this and he's right, and, and you're only really having me on because you had him on, and well, and and just had this like had to try and get it out there. It was just like, oh, oh dude, you don't realize in a three hour chat your pettiness comes out. Like your balls are hanging out. It was really, really? It was, what was really obvious, was it? It was, it was super oh, clear. So clear. There's parts where you're just like, oh, and it's, and I think that's one of the skills that Joe has as an interviewer is when people are literally having a stat. And it was one comment, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was one comment. I remember going, oh, if that was a general conversation, you'd be like, yeah, right, dickhead. And you'd just walk off and you, you wouldn't talk anymore because it's obviously someone that's just got it you know when you're talking to somebody that's having a go at you and they're not listening they're just trying to shoot you and he just goes okay well how do you like what about this and moves the conversation forward i'm like oh that's skillful to suck it up to not react because he could have reacted i would have reacted but he kind of just swallowed it and moved it forward that's one thing i like he uh he often talks about how he views his conversations with people as though it's so his background's in jujitsu in martial arts. Yes. And he says it's a it's it's almost an intellectual jujitsu fight where mm-hmm. he'll sit there and he might prod to see if there's any weakness or see if there's mm-hmm. any, you know, just any response that is is interesting. And then he might, if there is, he might push it a bit harder or he might back off. And I think having that attitude, it changes your yeah. whole approach to a conversation because all of a sudden you're not just trying to defend your views to to the death or whatever, or to your own dismay. You're open enough to be able to hear it. You understand that your your own ideas need to be challenged as well. So many times I'll come out and think I've got something figured out and I'll mention it to my wife and she's like, you don't genuinely believe that, do you? And I go, no, I'm 100%. And then she'll yeah. show me an article and I go, okay, I'm 90%. And then she'll show me one more article. I go, okay, I'm 74%. And then by the time she's actually, you know, whittled away my emotion and shown me some facts, I go, okay, well, I'm not going to admit it, but in, in my mind, I'll acknowledge the fact that she was right. 100%. And I even wrote this down in preparation for this little chat is this whole thing around public humility equals public cancellation Mm -hmm. is because our lives are so public right now, our appetite and tolerance to be humble 
which is what it takes to go, huh? Yeah, see, I thought that Israel was way more vaccinated than that. There you go. You're wrong. You must be cancelled. Bang, you're out. Like that fear, make sure that's an extreme example. But when we're all living life online and after two years in isolation, the majority of our lived experience has been vicariously through the interwebs. Mm -hmm. The fear of digital cancellation from this faux audience through a screen is priority number one to defend, Mm -hmm. which is why you either attack or you run or you just you stick to your guns because I'd rather just take it than admit that I was wrong because there's no coming back from that. And that sort of fear and what that's done to our psyche is, again, that trauma factor for all of us. Mm. It's it's amazing how much power a big platform can have on 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 what you said. Like even before, I was saying that you, you almost it's crazy to think that a lot of people are having to watch their tongue and bite their tongue and and just sort of question what they're saying. Self censor. It, it's incredible. Like I I'm trying mm. to make a conscious effort to make sure that it doesn't. Like to to an extent, obviously there's things that mm. you know I was saying in private, which my mates will understand. I'm totally taking the piss, but someone who doesn't know me might. It's a go, Tyson oh. comment. We get it. <laughs> yeah. I, thing. Had, I had a shocker the other day. I had Joe Ash oh, flick, yes. flick down God. here. Um, yeah. yeah, obviously for those of you listening, this is a mutual friends of ours, and we we just met up with uh, a chick called Zoe and her husband Matt. We we're sitting at the table. I just met Jack. Uh, just met uh, Zoe and Matt. I sat down at the table, and we're at the beach. And anyway, Zoe said, "Oh, like a beautiful day." She goes, "You guys going to go for a swim?" And Joash goes to me. He goes, uh, "Hey, Tyce, you're going to get your shirt off and show everyone your abnormally large nipples." And uh, she goes, "Oh, Tyce, do you have abnormally large nipples?" I said, "No, no, uh, I, they're bigger than usual, but I do have an abnormally large penis." <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah. and Zoe, Zoe gave me a look as if to say it was a polite I'd known her for seven minutes and I'd been warned that these guys they don't really have that they don't really have that potty humor they're not really that's known why for... you said it you can't help it I, for I those people can... listening I feel like I'm allowed to say this because I'm on Tyson's podcast is is the beauty and one of the things that I love most about Tyson why when I heard that he was getting into comedy it was such a yes finally <laughs> Over years, we'd even talk about like your hit ratio of mm. jokes because you could not help yourself. <laughs> if there is the potential for a joke where most people self-censor, filter and don't say it, Tyson says it and just hopes that it sticks. And I remember being times like, dude, you're at like a nine out of 10, like miss rate right miss. now. It was a miss. And there was times you were like 50-50 where it was like, dude, that was freaking hel- hilarious. You can't help it. So 50, if anything- very rare. You making that dick comment is you just being you. You're being true to yourself. That's your truth. Uh, well, it, it is That's true, your, but yeah. in my truth, I've lied straight to her face because I do have big nipples <laughs> and a tiny penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but it goes really fast. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. so funny. Here we are. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you for that but, compliment. But it's but... Uh, 50-50 was a very big compliment. I think, I think a 90% miss rate is more is more accurate but what was it oh that's what we were saying before that that tangent but it is amazing these platforms who you yes. want to be able to post your content on you want to be able to talk you want to be able to just have like an open dialogue which is as honest as you know how to have and you filter your way through ideas uh 
and they can just say, oh, unfortunately, you don't fit the community guidelines. This doesn't fit our, our sort of speech requirements. That's why it's sort of nice to, to see a couple of alternatives coming up. But well, before we talk yeah, about that, you, you great example me, of that yeah. is, is Mr. Trump up again. Yeah. Like the fact that, I mean, just, just wind things back a touch. Imagine 10 years ago, we found out that the former president of the United States, Bill Clinton, all right, let's a hypothetical right now. After Miss Lewinsky, mm-hmm. um, which there's a certain Robin Williams bit for you comedy nerds out there, uh, that, you know, I can't help, but there's this great, if, if you're listening, just YouTube, Robin Williams, Monica Lewinsky. It's his take on it is just, <laughs> it is the the perfect take on the entire scenario. But say post that, we never heard from Bill Clinton ever again. That he was not allowed to do any interviews anywhere. That it was just silenced. That's the equivalent of what's happened to Donald Trump. Now I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not wearing yeah. a freaking MAGA hat. Yeah. The fact that he got cancelled off social media, the former president of the United States, yet the Taliban has their own Twitter page the fact that you can watch bloody slave auctions on YouTube happening in Syria, but the former president of the United States, it's a bit, uh, bit you know, rebunctious. Yeah. Um, definitely offensive. Definitely says some things he shouldn't. But the fact that he gets cancelled, but you can watch slave trades happen on YouTube. Are you kidding me? It's so insane. It's, it's bullshit. There's no other word for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's so it's so insane. It's so funny that and you're Taliban, just thinking about your page getting cancelled now that I've said that. Sorry, I've, I'm just thinking of a way to self censor even harder, so I can justify to 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 the great lord of YouTube that my intentions are pure. Um, this dickhead I, from Hillsville is an anti vaxxer He lives yeah. out the dirty town. Get rid of him. He's been drinking beers the whole time. Can't uh, listen to him. I um, that's so crazy that the Taliban have a Facebook page. Is that still true? Do they, are they Twitter. still up there? Oh, sorry, Twitter. Yeah, that's yeah. insane. And, and and on YouTube there was. At least I haven't looked recently, but the the slave trade that happens in I think it's a Syria, oh. in Syria now you could yeah, it's cooked. Did, did you see? Did you see the uh, all the beheadings and stuff like that? Oh, that's yeah, that's mind blowing. Did you see? I can't, I'm going to tell you the wrong country. I'm going to say I, I think it's Iran. So Pride Month, they have Pride Month yep. around the world, or, or, <laughs> or I think it's Pride Month around the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, BMW Australia put up a, a post, oh, and the BMW logo was just Pride colors. It was it yep. was uh, Pride yep. rainbow colors. Fantastic. So you'd go to BMW Australia, and their logo for that month was the Pride March. Uh, was the Pride logo? Yeah. And then you go to BMW Iran or BMW. It was it was in the Middle East somewhere. And it was just the BMW logo. There was no Pride Month going on there. And just the, it's just so strange to watch oh. the way that cultures work because obviously BMWs just do whatever sells their cars. They're not going to be selling cars in Iran or wherever they are if they're celebrating Pride Month because I'm pretty sure a lot of the extremists that live there are going, you know what, uh, this isn't a company that I want to stand with. Whereas over here in the West, we go, of course, of course we will. That's the kind of company we want to celebrate. Do we Where's get my it? virtue flag? Is Where's my virtue flag? Can like, I get a crap. pride card? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Anyway, so it was a so- great example of Princeton coming out and saying it's around the systemic racism conversation that happened, you know, last year with George George Floyd and all that sort of stuff. Apparently, Princeton came out and was like, Yes, yeah, yeah, we we are also systemically racist. But because they also receive government funding, if there's systemic racism of a culture they need to get investigated about whether they should be being funded. So the government had to pay money 
to investigate Princeton about their systemic systemic racism. And of course, it came out that they weren't systemically racist. Oh, what a relief. Um, but also the taxpayers had to fa- pay for that investigation that was purely based off virtue signaling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're living in such interesting times. I love it. I love people. Who, oh, sorry. Were you, had you finished, man? You look like I'm you're done. about to keep I'm talking. Done. Oh, no. no, no, no. Just trying to get to say, the Donald Trump's oh, platform. But anyway. oh, I keep forgetting about that. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'll, we'll get to that in a minute. It's so funny. Uh, it's so funny watching people navigate their way through a time like this mm. because obviously adults in a social setting, especially in like a big corporate place, everyone, I guess, feels as though they have to say the thing that they feel they have to say before they get themselves in trouble. And uh, I was a couple of years ago, I was working at a school and uh, the kids were told that we're going to have an AFL star. So uh, AFL, biggest sport here in Australia. Yeah. They were told we we're going to have an AFL star come in and, and teach the kids how to kick footy. So this has been something that's happened for the last 30 years. I remember AFL stars came to my school when I was a kid. I was so excited. I didn't care. I was a Carlton supporter. We had some St. Kilda players come in and I was, I was just, yeah, I, I didn't care. I was pumped because these guys were my heroes. Anyway, same story. The school was in Torquay, which is near Geelong here. Geelong's a big football team in the AFL. Uh, I had a prep class on the day that these AFL stars were coming in and the kids were losing their minds. Anyway, we didn't know who we were going to get. And long story short, two, two women walked into the building and the kids like, oh, awesome. Okay, these guys are obviously just about to introduce oh. the players. This is great. Uh, and I came up and... Uh, went to the girls i was like hey girls like are you going to, are you here with the with the afl stars and they're like oh we are we are the afl stars and uh i said oh like i was i was fine i don't really care i was i was like hey great to have you here like whatever anyway i i introduced it i introduced these girls to the the club no one knew who they were but one kid one kid came up to me in tears and he's like i just thought we we're gonna get real afl stars and uh i go mate no no you've got to you've just got to be happy with the stars that you got he's like this is crap. self-censor self-censor don't <laughs> say like, that he's like i wanted to get some real stars and oh, uh i just love shit. it when you have someone so innocent obviously coming from a beautiful place he was just excited to see the blokes he actually watches on yeah. tv come out and uh, teach him oh. how to play footy he's come up to me cracking it because he didn't know who these girls who uh, to be fair i had a better drop punt than both of them on my right and my left foot um so i mean that i was a real <laughs> afl star of that lesson <laughs> but it was so funny to watch this oh, little kid no. anyway so i say all that to say that it's interesting to watch the way people uh, respond and very interesting to see how a bloke like trump comes out swinging with this platform because i think it the vibe i get from the article i read was I'm pretty sure it's only in its beta phase where it's uh, yeah. being tested on a certain amount of people. It's going to be hard though, because do you remember that, that app parlor? And then I think, I think it was Apple, maybe Amazon and Twitter got their powers together and said, look, this isn't good for any of us. Let's just de-platform them. Let's just yeah. remove. So it's going to be, it, it's hard as be, much as, be, as, sorry, go on. Yeah. Because so much of, and this is no longer a conspiracy, like, if you looked into the data of people that have been cancelled on platforms and what their political leaning was, is you can easily say that it's the majority left people that have been cancelled. Mm. So anytime a new platform shows up and all these previously cancelled people jump on it, it's going to be majority right. Mm. So they all jump on and all their fans jump on. So it becomes overly extremely right. And you get all the crazies, you get your QAnons, you get your white supremacists, like you get all those on there. And by posting the shit that they do, yes, they should be allowed to say it, 
but it gives the other side and the other platforms and the powers that be, your Googles, your Amazons and all that, the data to go, see, these guys shouldn't be allowed to exist. Mm. And then you read some of the stuff and you're like, that is rough. And when it's 90% rough, <laughs> it's really hard to defend. It's like your mate that's constantly a dickhead. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hey, mate, just tonight, can you just not? And he's like, cool. And he's a dickhead the whole night. Some bloke wants to go him. You're like, dude, I told you. Could you just, just one time, can you just be normal? Can you be balanced? Can you be considered and not want to punch on with everybody in the venue? Yeah. And he just can't be. help himself. So I feel like a lot of these new platforms, whenever there's a new, because it's been so controlled for so long and it's now so systemic, any new platform that pops up is going to be a magnet for these people that have been cancelled. And because the people are being cancelled from a certain leaning, any new platform is just going to be so one way to begin with. But if we get to give them a chance and they can just be a little bit more, not saying change of values, I'm just saying don't be your dickhead self. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Don't try and start fights. Just, just be a little bit normal to begin with so I can grow a base and be balanced. Well, I don't know. Because there's no balance anymore. Yeah. And I don't understand how a new platform works. I, I hadn't mm. heard about Rumble until Rumble, the Rumble guy the other day put out an offer to Joe Rogan to come to his platform for a hundred mil. I didn't know whether it was like a political, uh, sorry, a marketing stunt. If so, bravo, well done. Uh, but We've never heard of Rumble. Go yeah. Ahead. But the idea of going across to Rumble from YouTube, we, we, no one says, oh, I spent the afternoon on Rumble. Everyone says I just spent, you know, we, we went down a YouTube yeah. rabbit hole. I'm a culprit yeah. for it. YouTube's where it's at. It's where the people are hanging out. So it's going to be really hard, like whether it's a whether it's a parlor or whether it's a truth or whether it's an alternative to, to like a YouTube, a rumble or something like that. I, I just think it's going to be a big pull for people, even like me, who got a strike the other day for saying the wrong thing, for thought break, uh, breaking the wrong thoughts. Uh, it's going to be hard to get the majority of people, even some of the majority across there, that aren't, as you say, hurting based on the fact mm. that they've just been they've been abused by you know a political stance that they completely disagree with. Hundred percent. I mean, yeah. There's a there's another example. You know, when I was working for a church and we started a new service, it was a bit alternative at a different time. Sunday at didn't, five, baby. Didn't didn't follow the norm. Uh, we had food afterwards. We hung out and it wasn't, it, you know, it went for less than an hour and did everything different. And, and, and part of why I said, yeah, I don't think this should continue um, was because the people that were, it was attracting and the culture of the place really quickly, really surprisingly quickly. Because remember at the end, like, you know, chatting, everybody having a meal because I wanted that sort of community factor. We hate, it's actually community. It's not just about the person on stage having a chat. Yeah, who cares? Like, it's inspiring. Great. Good on you. We can listen to a podcast nowadays. Let's actually build relationship and community and have chats and build one, like, you know, do life with one another. It was when the after conversation was talking about how bad church was and how shit main church was and how they should do this different, how they should do that different. This is so much better. This is what it should be like. All that stuff's terrible and they should be doing this and they should be doing that. And I'm like, oh, no, this is not good. This is sort of imagine like Jack Dorsey sees Twitter now, like going, oh, shit. This isn't, when I started this, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. All I know is this isn't what I want it to be. Ah, where's the old control delete shut down shut down and that was my vibe with sunday at five was like this is not healthy this is just a everybody just 
venting and just grieving and like good do that but like when an entire community is made up of people that are venting and grieving oh yeah you need some people that are beyond that you need some people that are past that that are that are good yeah that can help them beyond that otherwise just becomes this pity party yeah man sorry zero patience for that Oh, no, I get it. For what it's worth, though, Sunday at five was my, that was my favorite service. And uh, <laughs> at, at risk of jumping too far into your analogy, um, I went back to City Life Church the other day just for, oh, just for, for shits and gigs, dude. It was so strange because mm. uh, I, I, so I walked into the building, uh, saw Paul Molyneux was there. So the new head pastor, I had a chat yep. to him. Great guy. Paul's uh, back, love but, Paul. But, uh, but it was so funny, man, because I sat down and no one else is going to get this reference, but you'll appreciate it. Delgit was on the stage going, ah, we're going to join the live groups, huh? huh? We've got to get the live groups going, huh? Maybe you find yourself a new wife, huh? Get a new wife. It's time for upgrade. <laughs> it hasn't changed in 30 years. It was so strange to, to go back there. So uh, it felt, it was <sighs> weird. It was like a, it was like visiting a town that I used to hang out. Because I've got such great memories there with you and with uh, yeah. with, with our old crew. Yeah. Um, that it's it's weird to go back to a place like that and just feel like a complete stranger. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, it was a, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Sorry, I've just I've, I've no. jumped right away from our our Trump platform just to no, talk to you about City Life Church. But it was, it was it, pretty cool to be back. It's a fascinating thing, and I think yeah, no, nah, that's all I got to say. Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> it is interesting, man, dude. We've been talking for like an hour twenty, so I'm, I'm going to let you go because uh, you got a, you, you got a wife at home, and, no. and so do I actually. Well, if you um, need to go, go for it. I'm happy but I don't to need to go. I don't need to go. But I, no, just, uh, I got self-conscious for a minute because what is it? It's 8.21 on a Wednesday night. I thought uh, I thought so you might my day be... off. I'm good. Oh, I'm going to day tomorrow. You had the day off. Yeah. T- tomorrow or today was your day off? Today's my day off, but I slept in. Like, I'm good, man. We're good. Yeah. Did you just get back from a holiday as well, did you say? Yeah, went away for a week. That was it was cute. It was good. <laughs> it was cold. We went to the beach. <laughs> what was so we live about? out in the hills. Uh-huh. We live out in the hills. So when we go to the... You know, go to the beach. It's a ooh, we're going to the beach. Mm-hmm. Must be warm. Let's go for a swim. Yeah, it was eighteen degrees and windy. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Did you go to Mornington Peninsula? No, we went the other side. We went down to not what's it called not Point Cook, past there, Apollo Bay. Oh, nice, man. Oh, so you so went past you your went part of town? Away. Yes, yeah, sweet. Great Ocean Road. It's good. Just get away because if I'm at home. I have to do something. I have to paint the house. I have to fix the fence. I have to mow the like. There's so many projects. I'm a compulsive like. That doesn't sound like you. Home. Shut up! What are you talking about? I, can't, I can sit still. Like, that was so can I. What are you talking about? Yeah, really... we're both great at sitting still. That's oh, so funny. That's a, it's amazing that we've been sitting down for chatting for an hour twenty based on our past reputations. I remember sitting. Yeah. Your, uh, I'm not drinking you. beers the whole time. Like, that's not what keeping me occupied. But anyway, you remember <laughs> sitting where? Go for it. I remember. I remember sitting next to you in a uh, speaking of city life at a at a staff meeting one day, and we were in that Ken Holland room at the back, and yep. the meeting had been going for twenty minutes. And I, I don't know what I was doing, fiddling with a pen or tapping paper. And you looked at me and you go, "Hey, dude." I go, "Yeah." He goes, "100, percent you've got ADD." <laughs> <laughs> I'm diagnosed too. I get it. And you, Takes one to know one. I, I'm not diagnosed, but I know you're 100% correct. We're self-diagnosed. That's very funny. This is why we do podcasts because mm-hmm. we just go, hey, what can we do as a living that doesn't have oh. sitting at a desk all day, every day? Three hours a day, change somebody. We can oh. do that. But like all day, every day. Like no, that's so brutal. Makes you wonder, like bring it back to Trump. 
Like that dude's on some on some gear. Like a hundred percent. That dude's brain would be like. I would love to have a chat with Donald Trump. Like mm-hmm. just to understand him. Like I feel like I'd be peak self. I'd be I'd be meditated. I'd be you know do a do a cold bath in the morning, <laughs> meditated, have some lion's mane, and just be like dialed in and just be like, hmm, and shut up and just ask good questions. Go. If you listen to Lex Friedman's podcast. Oh, sorry. I thought you would give me a hypothetical question that you had asked Donald no. Trump. Um, oh, imagine if he. Had. No, uh, no, dude. I I haven't listened to Lex Friedman, but I've seen a lot of him on. Uh, his name's getting around a lot at the moment. Really good interviewer. Asks really thoughtful questions, and and sets them up really really well. Um, but yeah, listen to him, and then just ask Donald Trump as like just a couple of really good questions, and try and get him going, just to understand him, just to to get that like. What makes you tick? Because we see him as this big, rambunctious, offensive. I was thinking about it the other day. Like, I feel like we've got, you know, when you you have something to eat and you get food poisoning and now you can't eat that anymore, mm-hmm. or you drink bourbon on New Year's Eve and you vomit in someone's bed the next day and you can't drink ever again. Well, this feels personal. What are you talking about? Actually, so this is, this is 2014, uh, your now wife, Kate. I had a big night at her parents' house and the only bed which was available was Kate's. She wasn't home. I was in there with my wife, but uh, it was it was a it was a night of vomiting. I, I hit the racky uh, a little too hard. It was, I was right, someone made homebrew bourbon. Is that what it was? That's what you had. You had yeah. home brewed okay. bourbon. It was quite it was and I, and I got a little excited. I thought my tolerance was higher. Uh, I was planning not to drink in 2015. And uh, the stomach, con- stomach, uh, the contents of my stomach from the past four days was all over your wife's bed, which was the first day when when she when I first met her, the very first thing I said to her was, "Hey, I'm so sorry, I vomited in your bed." And she goes, "Beg your pardon, I'm Kate. Who are you?" <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Yep. <sighs> anyway, so you, that sort of experience, you never want to drink again. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what people have with Trump. And anything associated with Trump is we've got this psychological taste aversion to anything associated with him and what he said and what he did. And that everything went so hard in the other direction that stuff reason. Mm. Like my favorite compilation is all of the lefty Joe Bidens and ones like that going, we're not going to take Trump's vaccine. That's ridiculous. And now saying you got to take the vaccine. It's the same vaccine. It's just just pulled our brains out and gone, don't need that anymore. It's ridiculous. Dude, is there a light changing color in your background? No, it's just my complexion getting redder. It's like getting warmer. Yeah, is that what it is? I thought I just saw a slight change of color. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I reckon this is the reason that that I've 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 got to get away from uh I was going to say I got to get away from these platforms. That's not true because it's a part of what I was about to say. Doing my own thing, trying to mm. trying to start my own thing and, and, and getting involved in. So uh, like outside of this, obviously, relaxed yeah. running. I do some running coaching. Trying to start that was it was difficult because you need to figure out how to work these platforms and stuff like that. But then uh, you got to you got to feel for people who are kicked off here because it's almost it's sort of the go to for so many people. And that's why I love. I sent you a story today about uh, uh, this chick. She was on a show called Ninety Day fiance i think it was i I get the vibe it's maybe a i don't know if it's american or british it's a it's their version i guess of what we have here married at first sight 
Yeah. So she was a TV celebrity. Obviously, things didn't. You would know nothing about TV sort of dating shows and stuff like that. I feel like this is probably a difficult concept. No, I was the first the, person kicked off Bachelorette. And fine. Yeah, but okay, you were. I got like, zero experience. However, it's, however, I was obviously uh, a reject. So, so well, got better no, luck with Skipper Girl Vinegar in the back. <laughs> she's, she's a pretty girl and knows how to skip. I love. Would a you like a rose? Girl. I love a coordinated girl. Uh, Sorry, that's an interesting. That's an interesting story though because. Uh, okay, so the you told me it's 48 hours, before I get back to my story, 48 hours or two nights of, all right, you're on The Bachelorette. It's Bachelorette, the one you were on, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you're on The Bachelorette, and it's two nights of, all right, from 12 till 12, you're going to drink, you're going to talk, we're going to film, um, sort of go. And then you, you don't you don't need to be a, a genius to see that the buildup of alcohol, a long day, it doesn't treat everyone really well but you happen to have a, an ability well, to be able to manage yourself so you were quite boring in your own words which is why yeah. she didn't actually well, they, get rid of you you got kicked off well yeah that's 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 part of it. i guess you've been long enough now so they actually control your alcohol so you can't get uber intoxicated which actually has a i guess a reverse effect it's like reverse psychology because you're at a party and it's a bunch of dudes that you've just met and there's no alcohol. So you're like, frick, this dude's boring. Get me a drink. <laughs> and there is none. So you get more anxious. And they bring one around and it's like light beer. And you're like, cool. This dude's also boring. Or like, so, and they, what they do is they kind of stoke the masculine competitive fire as you're going. And they start doing these interviews before she rocks up going, you know, so how are you going to like approach her? What are you going to do? Are you going to try and have, so everyone's thinking about their tactic and how they're going to, we're going to, going to get chat, going to get chat. And then, you know, you started, you know, early in the afternoon and now it's like nine o'clock. So the anticipation has been building for so long that mate, a goat with high heels could walk through and you'd be like, yes, I'm having a conversation. <laughs> And you get Osha coming out every now and again, just, you know, just stoking the fire, just kind of, you know, revving it around. Hey, you better be this. You better be that. So when she comes out, it's like blood in the water and the sharks just go for it. So your textbook dick alpha males, don't give a shit about anybody else, just pounce. And somebody will be mid-conversation with the person and a guy will come over and go, hey, mate. And you'd be like, sorry? And you got cameras on you. And you'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk to her now. So awkward. Imagine that in real life. Oh, so awkward. But imagine in real life you're having a one-on-one conversation with somebody for the first time ever, cameras, and then another alpha dude in a suit that you've just been trying to pretend to be friends with for the last five hours comes over and goes, chop out, mate. I'm going to have a chat. And every five minutes that happens is dudes that are just cutting dudes. So there's a group of me and a couple of other guys we're sitting back watching this just like for like a couple of hours, it was just a revolving door of the same like couple of guys chopping each other out mid-conversation. And she's just sitting there playing nice with a little earpiece in, listening to what the directors, the producers are saying. I'm like, this is sorry, mum. This is fucked. Yeah, it is. That's a perfect <laughs> this is description. So messed up. This is weird. And then they've all had, you know, two, three chats and the couple of us baiters, I guess, sitting at the back, just like, I don't want to treat her like a piece of meat. Sit back and then, you know, finally break in 
when you know one guy's been chained for eight minutes, ten minutes, it's like, well, I have to talk to her at some point. Hey, Rob, mate, do you mind if I um, like, you've had a bit. Everyone else has had two minutes. You've had eight. Can I please kind of maybe have a minute? It sounds like a really confused. Where do I put it? What's going on? Oh, yeah. something in my eye. Um, <laughs> You've had eight minutes. I've only had one. I'm so yeah. confused. Right? You <laughs> sit down oh. and have a chat, and it's the most awkward thing ever. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I guess I hate cliches. So I love cliches. I'm like, oh. uh, uh, okay. It's one of the hardest things. It, at the best of times, like to approach a girl that you're actually attracted to, who just quietly, Ali, I was, she's a pretty girl, the, the girl whose series you're on. Um, <clears throat> both married men won't go too far into it. Very attractive. <laughs> she looks, looks fantastic. But I uh, I would be nervous at the best of times with yeah. zero cameras going 100%. up and saying how, then knowing, okay, this is going to be broadcast to Australia. Every one of my mates is going to watch this. They don't know whether I've got game. I've got to try. I always tell them I've had game. I've always lied to them about that. And now they're about to see... Uh, that the opening conversation, I didn't know she had a had an earpiece in as well. So she's getting stuff told to her from the I'm directors. assuming, right? Okay. So here's my assumption to just prove, you know, if a certain network decides to say that what I'm saying is bullshit, is I had a 20-second conversation with her a couple of hours beforehand. Mm-hmm. Since then, she's had probably conservatively 60 conversation with individual guys since and i wander through she go hey brendan remembers my name straight off the bat i'm like wait i can't remember somebody's name talking to her like when i walk over to her and she's sitting on like the couch oh sorry like oh hey brendan how are you and i'm like ah you remember my name from like five hours ago that's cute i barely remember the other blokes names that i've and i've been hanging out with them for like hours and uh-huh. chatting to them uh and then there's a when you're talking oh, i see what you mean there's this you say something and there's this so brennan tell me about this the way that it's framed isn't a natural conversation yeah and there's this little pause and, and you'll notice the hair is over a certain interesting side, but yep. a plait coming down it's covering there um and the delay but yeah, it's all very interesting. And then the next day you come back and that's all part of the same night that's recorded as one. Is night too film easier? until four day. No, you're cooked, you're exhausted. Because yeah. we get home, we finish filming at like 3 a.m. And then you get back to the hotel in Sydney by five, six. And you're in the up morning. At nine. Yeah, yeah, you're up at night, nine, oh. nine, nine thirty. And then by the time you get all your suit back, same suit from last night. And the suit that I had, um, for some reason, the shirt gave me a rash on my neck. So anytime I turned my head, it was like chafage all around here. So the second night putting that shirt on was just like pain. Um, And you're filming from 4 till 4 a.m. So by the time you're doing that rose ceremony, that was like 2.33 a.m. So And that gets dragged on, they're filming that, multiple takes. And then, you know, I'm the first bike kicked off, fine, whatever. Um, And then they're straight in your face. Like, how do you feel? And you are exhausted by this stage. In my opinion, my opinion, mm-hmm. deliberately so, exhausted so that you're not your normal self. So it's good content because you're going to 
you know, say stuff that you normally wouldn't say in front of national TV. Yeah. So, oh. but luckily none of my stuff that I said off camera, sorry, on camera at 4 a.m. Uh, went on to TV. Oh, so you actually got away with like, did, What did you say? Uh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> did you really? Did you? Oh, pretty much. I was just uh, like, guys, I'm just exhausted. I'm out of it. Mm-hmm. I've said it like, so, so I fronted up as soon as I came off, there was one camera. And I just sucked it up. I was just like, yep, guess it is what it is. And I think what I, and this was what made it through. I'm like, hey, I'd rather be the first one to get it done out of the way than get dragged on for 12 weeks and find out no as well. Mm-hmm. So at least I got the no up front and I've saved myself from some time. You know, real straight down the line of logical, typical me. Yeah, um, perfect. And then I sit down and I was like, Oof. and then they come over and start like super close up and start trying to pump you for the emotional stuff. And I'm like, guys, I can... You know, the textbook was, you know, first night. Like, hey, Brendan, would you say it's a frenzy in there? I'm like, ah, the guys are definitely up and about. Brendan, would you say it's a frenzy in there? And remember to use the question in your response. Like, yep. So, Brendan, would you say it's a frenzy in there? I'm like, ah, the guys are definitely excited to see how it is. <laughs> Brendan, would you say it's a frenzy in there? I'm like, I think once everybody gets some, everyone gets some food in them, uh, you get to hang out a little bit longer. I think everything's going to go really well. It's going to be a good night. Brendan, would you say it's going to be a frenzy in there? It's a fucking frenzy. <laughs> it's a fucking, these guys are mental. They're all insane. Perfect. We've got the cut. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Exactly. Like, I know you guys want me to be the over animated like I am. I know. I, and I think that's part of the thing is you go into it knowing who you are mm-hmm. and knowing how you're perceived you can immediately pick how they're going to perceive you and therefore want to portray you as the overexcited, desperate guy that was divorced and wants to... I, I knew that was potentially how they were going to try and portray me. So when they're asking me questions like, are you, is it a frenzy in there? I'm like, I see what you're doing. No, I'm, I'm not that guy. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> and surprise, man. surprise, my first one kicked off. Yeah, it's funny. It's interesting because you never think of that when you watch it. You just think, oh, wow, Ali said she didn't want him. But there's so many factors because these guys have got a TV show which they've they've managed to refine and craft over the last 10 seasons. They've got to make to go. it interesting. Uh-huh. I would have been boring. Unfortunately, I get it. Unfortunately, it's true. If you're not going to play the game, yeah. But, uh, 100%. Interesting, man. Dude, I'm going to love you and leave you because I'm sweating like a uh, I'm sweating like a little trooper. I'm going to go have a shower, get myself organized, try and be a good husband for an hour before Jesse goes to bed. And uh, um, this has been good. Dude, it's been so fun. It's been awesome. I had no idea we we're going to chat for this long, but I'm so glad we did. And we didn't even get to talk about books. We didn't talk about books. I didn't even talk about the chick selling her farts, but I spoke about that on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Just wanted to hear your thoughts on it. I want Business. to talk about the farts and that the correlation with, you know, TikTok and OnlyFans, but I had oh, notes and everything. I, I, did you? Like, that good. Like, ready. Damn it. The correlations with the book that I like and meaning and. Fine, you know, we'll just call it part one. Wait, seriously, we'll do another one. Done. Let's do another one. Easy. Um, no, that's awesome. I said to Jesse before, she goes, oh, how long are you going to talk to Brenda? If I go about an hour, see how we, hmm. let's see how we go. I had a it's pretty it. boring guy. What do we know? Man, it's not really a frenzy in there, so we'll keep it, keep it <laughs> okay. That is awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, brother. It's so good to, uh, to catch me. up. This beats a couple of text messages back and forth by far. 100%. Mm-hmm.